Welcome to Bash University Live. I am back in studio after a couple of weeks hiatus, uh, being down at ICAST, participating in the Bassmaster Open up at Thousand Islands, and uh, it's good to be back live in studio. Of course, it was good to hang out with you guys when I was live from uh, from the castle, the Bolt Castle, which uh, was uh, was pretty cool. I, I love fishing up there at Thousand Islands. We had a blast. Um, what a, what a great event. So hard to be uh, consistent up there because you got to catch like 105,000 pounds of uh, smallmouth to, to win those tournaments. But uh, uh, really good to, to have a, um, a, a really spectacular last day up there, and we'll dive into that a little bit. Um, but our guest today is really uh, is special, I think, and a lot of you guys may know him. A lot of you guys don't. He's so new. Trey McKenney is uh an 18-year-old phenom that is lighting it up on the Bassmaster Opens. Uh, he's done well over at the MLF and the tournaments that he's competed there. Of course, he's won at the high school level and at such a young young age outperforming extremely well and uh he's sitting in fourth place in the EQs right now and with just three tournaments left on the schedule in such a tough tough competitive field with uh, being so young, so lacking experience, uh, like some of the veterans that have may have 20, 30 years experience out there, he's out there not only competing, but excelling. And I'm excited to be having this young man on the show, uh, diving into his background, how he got to where he's at right now, what's his, what's his training process look like, how is he able to do this? Uh, it's such a difficult sport to excel at at a young age and he's really uh setting the pace uh reminds me of like what kvd did rich back right. back in the day when when kevin was the young phenom uh he was in his mid-20s i think or something like that when he got involved and started tearing it up and he was rookie of the year and angler of the year yeah. uh and that seems to be what we're looking at with this young man yeah, he's uh he's very accomplished for the age of 18. You mentioned some of his stats, but you know, in addition to that, it at 13 he won a Bassmaster High School Championship and an FLW High School Championship in the same year. Um, wow. At at age 16, he won the Illini Division uh BFL AOI uh as a boater at 16 years old. And now at 18, competing Amazing. out on the Bassmaster Opens, he has two second place finishes this year, a top 10 and a top 40. So it's it's a very impressive resume that that, that this kid has. He's got almost a hundred thousand dollars in winnings from fishing um by the age of 18. And <laughs> He's been fishing for 10 minutes. It's 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 crazy. You know, it's um it it really it really is. But yeah, I'm ex I'm excited to talk to him as well, Pete, because you know, to get to that level by that age, there's there's something special there. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and for guys watching, if you haven't heard of him yet, you're going to uh, because you're not that good that early on for no reason. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, well, it's exciting So get your questions together, man. It's going to be a great, uh, uh, great interview just uh, for all of us to learn how this is this is being done for the, for you guys that are fishing in the high school level and the youth level right now i'm really interested to see how um how he's trained how he's prepared now he's got to this point so many guys that it's it's exploding the high school um 
you know, competitions. We they just had an event with 500 boats in it, 400 boats. So many kids are out there getting after it. I fished with uh, a kid that uh, up at Thousand Islands in, in the college program from Texas. And, um, you know, all the kids aspire. I, and I practiced with, of course, Brooks Parker, who uh, is an aspiring uh, angler that is competing in on the college level. There's 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 a lot to learn here. So we're really excited to be talking to him about that. What a great deal. It's been busy. I talked to you from Thousand Islands. I gave you an update uh, the morning before day two. Day one was really a struggle for me. I was on the struggle bus. I caught a 13-pound stringer, which up at Thousand Islands is like catching minnows. Uh, just got crushed uh, with, a, with a small stringer or fish. And I, you, I ran into a difficult situation because I, uh, I was using a Ned rig. These are the new Crush City Neds. And, um, and I was using just simple colors, uh, green pumpkin. And this, this is a shad color when, it, when the sun was shining. And I was real effective at catching fish with these baits, the Ned was really uh, an effective weapon for me. But I think what happened was the, the wind stopped blowing or started blowing in an all, all, all a different direction and slowed that current down. And I mean, Rich, they were looking at me. They were uh, mocking me. <laughs> they were doing everything, but, but I couldn't trick. I could catch the little one. I couldn't trigger the strikes from the big fish. Uh, and I really, I really struggled on day one. It's you know? amazing how important current is when it comes to driving a bite, you mm. know, whether it's on thousand islands or it's on the Tennessee river or it's, in it's your, everything it's in your, it's in your lake down the road on union Lake yep. current matters. It always does. And there's ways to, there's ways that you have to adjust and change with it. And you know, it, you had a tough day one Pete, but you had a really nice bash. You bounce back on day two. And, uh, you brought 21, what was it, 21.8 to the scale? 21.10. Don't steal two 21, ounces 10. from me. 21, 10. All right, well, you, I want you, those you ounces. You got them back. You, you <laughs> them back. You got them. But 21.10 <laughs> to the scales, I mean, honestly, any other any other fishery or most other fisheries, making that big of a day one to day two jump is going to mm. get you right back up into the mix. But like you said, on the St. Lawrence, it's so hard because the weights are always so tight. But no, you made a nice bounce back. How did how, walk us through that? Well, it's uh, you know, day one was a short day for me. I had about a, a five and a half, six hour window to fish because I was making a long boat ride, and um, the, you know that that didn't go so well. Right, lack of current. I was I had shallow and deep fish. I was using uh, the Ned, and when I was fishing, when I could say deep, I wasn't fishing extremely deep. I was fishing in depth zones around twenty feet you know, 18 to 30, you know, but mainly around that 20, 22 feet zone. That's where I was getting the majority of my bites. And it was, it seemed like they were close to the spawn. They were, they were in that shallow, shallower zone for me. Right. Because keep in mind, guys, these fish on the St. Lawrence will spawn in 18 feet of water. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, that makes things a little different. Yeah. Does weather have it, like with it being so hot out this past weekend, did that, do you think that? Anything to I I think um, for me it was a wind or it was a current thing and the wind blew against the current that's what stopped it for me I think on day one and uh what and I had the shallow bite and the shallow fish I could visually see and I was having just a terrible time triggering strikes they get crazy eyes and so what what I figured that my solution was um, on day two was I, I continued to explore that shallow bite but 
I wanted to get in the current. We had a little bit stronger south wind that ex that accelerated the current, and I wanted to stay in that current because that current getting into the maximum current I could get myself in was what helped me fish around aggressive fish, catchable fish, and my first bite was a five pounder on uh what what a neat deal it is to catch them you know uh, a finesse cashing rod I've got. 10 pound test Cortland. I've got 10 pound test uh, gamma uh, fluoro as a, as a main line. I'm using the Ned and I'm just, you know, you set up on these monster bass. Right. And uh, they jump five feet out of the water. And, uh, but my first play was five pounds. And I'm like, all right, you've made a good decision. And, um, and then I just started kept continuing to poke away at them the, as the, we had storms and rain and wind. And that, that intense, more intense current allowed me to get those bigger bites. Uh, that was my solution that I missed on day one. I needed to get into the harder current, the hardest current I could find. And I think I would have had access to those bigger fish on day one that I was unsuccessful with. But, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Man, just caught a, a monster back. Fished with a, with a Japanese fellow on day one, on day two. Uh, which was pretty cool because he was throwing, he was pulling, pulling all that, all those crazy techniques, man. He was mm -hmm. throwing the free rig. He was throwing the cover scat. Uh, I mean, current's ripping and he's bombing a cover scat out with like a, a bomb cast drifting it down in the, in the shadow. Anytime he could get shallow enough to see rocks, he was firing that baby out there right. and, uh, and all kinds of other uh, unusual techniques that uh, that he was employing. Caught fish. We both caught fish pretty aggressively all day, and uh, and it was a it was a great tournament. Um, I want to congratulate the guys that that won that event. Of course, uh, Corey Johnson had led it uh, for for two days, but he did not win the tournament. Right. Who was that tournament winner? Jody White. Jody, Jody White, White run that tournament. That's yeah. right. Jody White. Uh, th this is another thing that uh, was a big deal up there for you guys that participated. Congratulations, Jody. What an amazing win to come from behind when you were trying to right. chase down the, the you know, a can Canadian Goliath. group, Goliath, that has won so many tournaments, those guys up there. Chased them down and got them. But uh, fishing close to the lake, those Clayton to – to Cape Vincent, that was a big deal on, uh, you know, fishing for slightly bigger than average size fish. I think you got a shot at a few more five pounders fishing down there. And, uh, that was a big deal. Cause I didn't fish down that way. I fished close, uh, but I, I didn't quite make it all. I didn't fish all the way down. I patterned fish a little closer to the ramp and, um, but great event, uh, really enjoyed yeah. it. And, uh, Got Watts Bar coming up. It's going to be a toughie, but, you know, we're going to be talking with Trey McKinney here shortly, who is in fourth place trying to make the uh, elites. And, man, he's looking pretty strong with just three tournaments left. So we'll be diving in to all that stuff. We are brought to you by Tackle Direct Studios. I want to thank Tackle Direct. They, they shipped me up a bunch of spinning reels, which I needed for this event. Nice. Uh, which was nice and uh, and and well needed. Uh, it seems like you have to have 15 spinning reels rigged for mm. uh, when you're fishing up there. Yeah. And um, and I want to give thank them for that. But like and share the feed. Guys, you're watching over on social. We've got we got prizes for you, Jocelyn. What are we giving away? Waterwood custom baits for 
the uh, like and share. And we also are going to be giving away uh, Bashu t-shirt, Bashu hat, and our the missile D bomb. Rusty crawl. Rusty, Rusty crawl. <laughs> yeah, check this out, guys. This is custom. This is a custom missile bait that only is available at Tackle Direct. And it's an amazing um, flipping bait. Very unique color. It has a green pumpkin tomato flash. It's uh, really unusual. And it's only available at Tackle Direct. So you're going to be flipping this in wherever you're flipping. The bass have not seen this in your area. It's going to... And it's going to really help you get some strikes that maybe you wouldn't get otherwise. But it's a great, it's the classic D-bomb shape. And uh, check it out at Tackle Direct. I, I'm sure we'll have the link in yes. the uh, in the IM board. And, and, and I just want to take a moment and offer our condolences to David Barnes Sr.'s family. Um, a bass legend, I guess we would call him. He was the first yeah. inductee into the Maine Bass Nation Hall of Fame in Maine. Um, passed away this past weekend. So, condolences to the the Barnes family. And um, Dave was he was a leader in the nation. Uh, I I fished against Dave for thirty years, and um, Dave was uh, you know he's a powerful force. But the first tournament that I won, I paired up with Dave Barnes. Boater on boater. Boater on boater. That's back in the invitationals. That's what we used to do, boater on boater. And day one, I had a different partner. Day two, I think, I or day three, I forget, I drew out with Dave. And we fished together. Um, and it was an awesome day. We both had a just a great day. We worked together really well. And we both had, a you know, monster bags and did really well in the tournament. And I've known Dave ever since then. Uh, we fished uh, in Maine, in the Jersey Nation. You know, we competed on Lake Sebago in Maine. Dave was there. Dave was always there. He always qualified for every nation team tournament from the state of Maine. He was just a fixture and a powerful force and a voice in the sport of fishing. Did so much for the sport. And, uh, man, I just want to recognize him and and uh, give condolences to his family. And um, I'm glad you brought that up, Jocelyn, because he was just such an important part of the sport, especially up here in the northern part of the country. And and the federation he was uh he was something special so uh but in maine also they had to, we had some big deals going on we uh we had the lead ban uh that has taken place where uh, they have uh, to protect the loons they're doing some studies on the loons and uh they're finding that uh there's negative impact there and they wanted to uh they moved forward with uh eliminating lead in jigs what's a loon loon a, is a, a it, fish eating bird <laughs> yeah you know, they make a really cool noise fish eating bird yeah. yeah they're they're native to that part of the country and uh, actually up a thousand islands they were everywhere yeah. i mean they were just everywhere some places they're getting out competed by cormorants mm. so well maybe they, if you're going to open up a you know lead band maybe open up a season on cormorants you know because they're fighting for the same food and cormorants reproduce at about five times the rate as a loon so food for well, thought well i talk i talked to uh to craig uh duran uh eco bass angler about this and he's uh you know maine is very very uh pro angler pro hunting pro fishing they that's very very important to them 
So, you know, his, his feel was that their research has, you know, warranted this and they're, you know, in no way looking to compromise fishermen or li limit or, um, you know, make a negative effort towards fishermen, but their effort was to protect the loons. That, that was his, uh, uh, opinion of it and it's it's an interesting one but i could tell you on social oh my gosh did we ring up some uh some we hit some nerves there justin yeah, no doubt a lot of a lot of comments on that one everyone sharing their thoughts put the mic closer <laughs> to my mouth but yeah. yeah everyone was sharing their thoughts about that on social it was uh what was what was the opinion like uh it was dual-sided some people were saying you know just go to tungsten and uh, other people were very against it, saying it's working. It's you know against a working fisherman and stuff like that. But yeah, you know. well, we're we're gonna keep a close eye on it. And uh, you know, obviously, we're our interest is to protect our sport. We love uh, you know we want to protect and promote the sport of bass fishing. We love so much, and. Um, and we'll certainly keep you guys posted. And our next environmental show, which is coming up uh, relatively soon, I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit uh, more thoroughly with some real experts other than uh, other than us. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to that. Uh, guys, pay attention. That's our grant. We got a grand prize, which Jocelyn said we're giving away a lot of really cool stuff uh, featuring the missile baits, rusty crawl, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So pay attention. We're going to be asking a question yet the end of the show and you will win that prize what else we got shout out to mr higgs st crest howie range scott for always tuning in hey thanks guys always good to have you with us and uh, great to see you guys on the water i want to give a shout out to the, to the folks that i met at the bass open i can't tell you how many times people come up to me at the gas station at the launch ramp thank you thank you thank you for for producing bass university it helps sure. them they listen to it on their way to the weigh-ins they listen to it on their way to the tournament site um it helps them and in, in everything that they do and that's why we build it and i appreciate you guys coming up to tell that to me and all the rest of our crew we're going to be in michigan um come by, stop by and see justin at uh the st Clair river event um if you're a subscriber to bash you we got something cool for you if you've not. not go check it out we have a new promotion that launched today What's good? What's our new promotion? Blow up Bonanza. Nice. <laughs> Topwater season, yep, baby. You got two Rapala uh, topwaters, a walking bait, and a popper. Catch those smallies. They're eating the topwater right now. That's they were they were crushing topwater for <laughs> me at practice. They were just smashing it out of the water, and that bite went away because of that lack of current. I figure, but uh, but not for not for everybody. Some yeah. of the guys. Continued to pound on them, uh, top water. What what an exciting thing that is to see a four or five pound smallmouth nothing better smashing a top water bait. So what is it? The blow up bonanza. Yep, great time right. to sign up. Yep, go get yourself signed up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great time. You know, we're a lot of you guys are getting to your off season. This is the time uh, to prepare and train and learn more about the sport you all love. Uh, the fall fishing season is coming up and then of course spring will be here before you know it guys so go get yourself subscribed to bashu tv and get yourself a cool prize pack and check that out we're going to take a quick commercial break and we are going to be right back with trey mckinney 18 year old phenom uh doing so well out on the eqs and everywhere else he's fishing 
and we're going to be diving in to find out how he's how he's doing all this stuff. It's going to be great to have him. Uh, we'll be right back after this mes- message. I'm Pete Gluzek, the Dean of the Bass University, and we're excited to partner with Waterwood Baits and showcase their innovative handmade approach to making amazing lures. Hey guys, this is Elite Series Pro Todd Alton here. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about the company Waterwood and their crankbaits and topwaters they're building. They're high quality baits. They're made from a marupa wood that's you know, grows in the rainforest in Brazil. It's 1.5 in all of the waterwood baits because of the wood will be a staple in my arsenal from here on out. I love it. Spotted bass. Got the old waterwood. Cortland Line Master Braid, America's premium super braided fishing line. Manufactured in our Cortland, New York facility and constructed from the highest quality spectra fibers available. Cortland Line Company, made in America since 1915. I have to have the best eyewear. My eyes are essential to doing my job. It's the highest quality lens that I've ever used. Top of the line performance in these glasses. But they're priced for absolutely everyone. The everyday angler can afford them. As a touring professional pro, if I can depend on them, I know the weekend angler can as well. Hobie eyewear, built for the pros. Price for everyone. Welcome back to Bass University Live, everybody. Glad to have you with us. Uh, love hanging out, talking fishing, especially after you got back from uh, from a major tournament. I've got fishing on the brain, and uh, so does my son. Oh my gosh, Jake caught a five pounder on the top water. Mm. Uh, he's just he's, mm. he's diving it since he since he's hooked. He did. He got hooked at the Ike Foundation Derby. And uh, now he's been fishing every day, and he's fishing when I'm not there, and I love to see that. And uh, him and I are going to be jumping in. It's going to be hard to derail this killer Wednesday night derby team. Congratulations <laughs> to you guys. Oh, my goodness. You guys had three fish for 13 pounds? Is that for right? Three for 13.5, yeah. The, the Wednesday nighters on the Bay are a three-fish derby. And uh, it's one of those nights we kind of just, like, landed on them. You know, I couldn't keep him hooked, but Justin luckily was able to actually get him to the boat. So nice. You know, the intern showing you the ropes. (laughs) I was just showing him where they are, losing them, you know, losing giants. And he was putting them in the boat. But no, we had a we had a fun tournament. Pete, uh, how did it feel Jake sending you that five pounder while you were away? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I it thrilled me. I'll be honest, you know, you weren't like jealous. I was catching five pounders. Okay. I was catching them too, but I, (laughs) the fact, you know, it it just thrilled me because, you know, if you're like me, you've got a son that's kind of into fishing and, uh, I, I'd love to fish more with him, but he's in so many other things. Uh, it's just a thrill to see him doing it when I'm not around. Uh, you know, it's, it's really awesome to see. And we're going to come join you guys on the Wednesday night derbies. I think that, I think that's a good training ground for us with some three hours of tournament fishing. But here's a guy that can fish all day, every day, and he's killing them wherever he goes. Uh, he's currently sitting in fourth place in the EQs on a tough, tough field 
and we're thrilled to death to have him with us. It's Trey McKinney. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, guys. How about you? Man, we're doing great. I'm doing great, man. I had a blast catching smallmouth all week. I guess you did too. I'll tell you what, like I said, it's Disneyland compared to Illinois. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't have those kind of smallmouth there? No, sir, not where I'm at. I'm about probably 40 minutes from Kentucky Dam. So I would say if I'm going to fish smallmouth, that would be the closest place. Okay, so you're down in southern Illinois, and uh, you 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 probably trained a lot on Kentucky Lake. I have fished quite a few derbies on Kentucky. I'd say Barkley is probably one of my favorites. Um, okay. I'd say Kentucky's great. Um, Barkley kind of fish more of my style, you know, shallow water. When the water gets to like 360, 359 and a high, um, there, there's a lot to be flipped, and I just love it. I love it to be hands-on, heavy line, big rods. So uh, me, and, me and Rick's fish a bunch of tournaments down there. We enjoy it, absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's that's a great training ground. Of course, not quite as as much as it used to be. Um, back when you were you were so young, you probably weren't even fishing yet. Those places were on fire. The carp has come and and uh, changed that a little bit over the years. But I, I mean, let's let's dive in a little bit of your background and, and how how you've trained because. It, we've talked about it at the beginning of the show. KVD, he was like the first like young phenom that came along because mostly it's not that way. Mostly it's old guys like me, not quite as old <laughs> as me, but like, you know, you're those 30 year olds, those 40 year olds, because in order to be successful in this sport, or that's what we've seen is you have to have some time on the water. You have to have experience and see different weather changes, different conditions, see how fish react, go to these different bodies of water. Man, you're 18 years old, and, and you're going toe-to-toe with guys with 30 years of, of experience. Um, take how did, how did you get started in fishing? Uh, and let's start there because I want to find out who your mentors and all that. How did you get started in this game? Absolutely, man. Um, I've always had – I have a rodeo – or barrel racing family we own a western store here in marion illinois so i'm kind of a little bit of a curveball you know um, i have my cousin trevor mckinney as well he's fishing the opens he's fished college um everything about like that but actually when we started our church has um little i guess it'd be weekend tournaments every once in a while we had four or five a year or anything else like that and i was always fishing at the pond always like every time i could find one of my dad's friends that had a boat anybody anybody willing i don't even know who they are as long as they were willing i would love it you know so uh, mom and dad was always trying to find me a boat to go in, you know, just learning from people to people. And um, I started fishing a few of those, and I started loving it. And then, uh, fortunately, I met my mentor, Rick Cheatham. And uh, it was a guy from my store. Uh, my dad was always asking around, hey, my son's like, he's like, driving me crazy. Can somebody take him fishing, you know? Um, so somehow we got hooked up with him from one of my dad's buddies, and we started fishing junior events, and it just went went from there we went one time on the water and now shoot five six years later we're still hard at it fishing team tournaments he's traveling with me as a co on the open so it's been a trail mess of beef for that you know we fished uh we started like i said the junior then we went to high school we fished a few events in high school not um we probably fished five or six in high school a few opens and then uh we made a big step we went to bfls actually and you know i was kind of scared you know your home local pros you just hear of you know it's like the local sticks on these lakes, like nobody can beat them and everything else like that. And it's kind of intimidating to make that step because you don't know if you're qualified, you know, it's, it's that, 
that hard. Everybody says like there was one quote I seen is like when it when you feel scared to jump, that's when you should jump. And uh, that, that's what we done. We uh, we actually jumped in, and the first year I actually ended up winning Angler of the Year on uh, the BFLs at sixteen. So uh, and then I was like, you know, it's just it might be a fluke. So we went the next year, and I actually next year I ended up winning three of the five BFLs and Angler of the Year again. So it was uh, it's been a blessing. It's been unreal. And this year, as, as you guys can see, we've uh, we decided to jump in the opens. Uh, I was like, it's a, just a dream of mine. Every time I watch somebody on the big stage, I just get goosebumps. You know, it's it's a dream of all of ours, I feel like, fishing. Um, it's just, it's adrenaline. And uh, that's what we're trying. Like I said, we've had a few events. It hasn't been so forgiven. Um, but we, we are still still in the race. We're still good. We just got to keep it level. And I, I just think, you know, if the Lord's got a plan for us, I'm just going to follow it and uh, see what he's got in store for us. Man, well, it's it's phenomenal winning three BFLs in the C. It's you're you're too young for this. <laughs> it's not that's <laughs> what that's it, that's amazing. How is this possible? Like, um, Rick Cheatham is your mentor. Um, tell me tell me a little bit about Rick. What's his background, and uh, you know, how how is that mentorship going? Absolutely. Um, he started, he was always fishing local tournaments, you know, uh, just around here. Uh, we have a lake named Crab Orchard. We don't have a lot of big water like some people, you know, uh, 2,500 acres is my home lake. And uh, we have 100 boat tournaments on it nonstop in the spring and the fall. So, I mean, and that's one thing I've really learned around here is pressure. It's, that's been a really good key um, to be able to learn and fish. But Rick, uh, he's, he fished everywhere and actually he went through a little hard time and everything and he kind of quit fishing and, uh, that one day we went, it just kind of clicked, and he started back, and I started fishing more, and we both started fishing together. And like I said, it's just went crazy. He's taught me. He's, he's a super, really good um, shallow water fisherman. That's that's his strength. He loves big rods, heavy line, just, just like me. He's passed it down. You know, it's uh, that's a love of mine as well. Now it's anytime I can catch one where nobody else I think would go, that's when I'm the happiest. You know, so. And so that's, that's been a really cool thing. And we've just kind of learned together, you know, he's learned versatility for me. He showed me a lot of new techniques. You know, I try to keep it simple. Um, I, I try to try not to get all, I don't try to buy the baits that um, they make for us. You know, I, I keep it kind of like anything else. I say, Gerald's doing a black and brown. I mean, just simple colors like that is, is another thing he's, uh, he's taught me how to kind of zone out everything else. Have a bunch of techniques in your wheelhouse and have it simple. You know, um, I got, a whole bunch of rods more than what I need. And I always have my four or five baits that I always have. Like I have, I throw a jig. A jig is my one of my favorite techniques. I mean, you can throw a jig on 15 pound line, 12 pound line, 25 pound line. If you're flipping, I mean, I'd love it. You know, you can swim it, skip it, throw it, drag it. There's everything in the book about it. And uh, so it's, it's, it's been pretty cool on just everything he's taught me, made me have confidence. Confidence is a huge thing I think in fishing and, um, he's gave me that on, on multiple techniques that's uh, in my wheelhouse now that we've that we've used quite often. I would, um, and that's surprising, honestly, to hear you say that. Like uh, my initial thought was, man, we're going to have a forward-facing sonar conversation uh, because that's well, what all the young guys are so good at. And uh, I didn't expect you to go right down that power fishing road. How is there? Are you a forward facing sonar guy? Is that in your wheelhouse? <laughs> I might be. Okay. We're going, we're going there. Yeah. Uh, that might be my other technique. Uh, forward facing, it is uh, like some people say, like, you know, it's it's one of them things. Some people hate it. Some people love it. But 
I tell you what, I, I'm in, I'm in the loving book right now. I I, uh, I, I love it. I do. Um, I've learned actually so much on it. Uh, like I said, I could use it um, before this year. I could always. I've always liked. I've always had a niche for live scope. You know, it's always been like instead of an arrow, it's just like anything. It's like a person playing baseball. You know, they go to the batting cage twice a week. Anything else like that. It's kind of the same with me fishing. I always go out, try to learn new stuff on it. Um, I've got where now I don't even have to look at the arrow, you know, it's just kind of instinct. Wherever my foot's on the pedal, I can just throw over my back and hit it, anything, hit the cone. So, um, yeah, forward facing is probably one of my – if it ain't shallow, if I can't catch them flipping, I'm live scoping. You know, it's it's one of them things where if, it, if it's not that, um, not some other techniques that I like shallow, anything else like that, I almost always am looking down. Um, so, I mean, and, and it, sometimes it sounds bad, anything else like that, but I said, there's so many little things to learn on it that um, it's, I guess it's, it's so, I guess, what would be a good word for it? It's almost, it's hard, you know, in multiple ways. Like at Wheeler Lake, we had a tournament and there's so many like drum, catfish, crappie, stripers, everything about it. And, and I mean, Normally, like on four facing, you see a fish. Okay, you, you got that. But it, it's it's the little things, you know, the, the little nuances that somebody can tell and, and anything else about a fish, you know. I can pull up to a fish, and I can pretty well have an 80% chance I'm going to tell you whether it's going to bite or not sometimes, you know. So just just how it sets up, how it lights up, how the density of it is. Um, there's so many little things to learn on it. And once you get that, that's the true difference, you know, being able to tell separation from the head to the tail on it if it's a three to four or five pounder. Um, so anything else like that I've learned this year has been unreal to everything because I can literally scope on six to seven and just look for three plus pounders. If you're on like a really incredible fishery like Toledo Bend, um, what, what was another Wheeler? Um, it'd have been Ufala. Ufala was a really good one. I would uh, I would scope till I would see a, a three plus pounder after I had 15 pounds. You know, I would not stop most of the time. And don't get me wrong, every once in a while a fish can face you and look small, but there's, there's ways of telling it too. So every time you put yourself in a situation, and that's what I try, I try to put myself in as many situations with it as I can learn from it where I don't miss anything. You know, um, you can have fish really tight to bottom. Like everybody thinks when you see live scope, the bottom's bottom. It, it's, it's really not. Sometimes it is. There's, there's always a gap of some sort, you know, it could be this much depending on your unit. I have active target. So for me this year, I fell in love with active target from Lawrence. Uh, I have the active target too. And I, I love it. I can see my bait to 90 to 100 feet um, regularly on, on a cone, and I, I love it. I don't feel like the gaps as much. Um, I haven't had a 34, so I can't speak for everybody. You know, um, I'm spe- I, I used to have a 32 um, from Garmin, and uh, there was always a little gap, you know. So every once in a while, those, those fish on the bottom can slip past you. And uh, this mm-hmm. one, I, I have uh, very few that sometimes will. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely, you can't see them all, but you can try. How? How are you, you talk about like going to batting practice, you know, twice a week or is, is that what you're doing? Are you, are you going out and working with this on a, you know, daily basis or say, Hey, you know, I'm just going to do a practice session. Uh, how, what, what does that look like for you? Absolutely. You know, the, the, like I said, if, if you ever stop learning, it's not a good deal, you know? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to soak up everything. And, and that's the thing about being young. Um, I'm trying to learn so much in such a hurry. You know, I mean, all these guys with, with, I mean, 30 years of time on the water, you know, I mean, and that's a lot, you know, I I make some mistakes that I shouldn't. Um, I I make some mistakes on the water that, I mean, sometimes you can recover from, sometimes you can't, you know, 
um, it's just by being time on the water, you know, just um, just in general, you know, you, just your your head mind on on a tournament. Sometimes, uh, like I said, I'm young, I'm 18. Sometimes I don't make the wisest decisions, but um, like I said, we just gotta make the best of them. But yeah, batting practice for me is going anywhere I can, fishing with anybody I can, you know, anybody that likes live scope. Even if even if let's just say that just in general, this is not me. Even if you think somebody, okay, maybe he's not as good as me, anything else like that, just for somebody, just local pro, you're going fishing. Um, it don't really, you don't have to be better. It's like you can take one thing from that man, just one thing, just one itty-bitty thing, how he, how he rigs something, how he sets up, how he sets a hook, just one thing from each guy you fish with and just kind of create your own puzzle. You know, you can just kind of take a little piece from here, a little piece from there. And when you combine it all, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty crazy what you can learn. And every time you'll be, you'll kind of be stumped, you know, you'll just kind of be like, man, I'm not catching them. I don't, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden you just grab it from up here. It's just like, wait a minute, that's an idea. And uh, you just kind of apply it and it goes from there, you know? So it's, it, it, that's one thing I would have to say is anytime you can go in the boat with somebody, anytime you can grab that little piece of information from anybody, um, try to build your own puzzle, take it, take it from other people and just put it together. You know, just any device, be a sponge. Be a sponge. Be a sponge. And we had um we had Al Lindner on several years ago. I guess it was on the Ike Live show. He said, Go fishing every chance you get. And you 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 can always learn from when you're on the water. And another guy that, you know, plugs in that learning, um, learning slogan is Brandon Polinick. It's always win or learn. There's always something to be taken away from, you know, whether you're just fishing out on the pond for a few hours or you're on a five day straight practice in the tournament there's always things you can take away from it and learn it and just got to be a sponge be a sponge great great advice uh and you can pick something up from everybody and that's that's awesome uh you're you know i we are going down this forward facing deal and uh i'm not surprised to hear that now that we're bringing it up but what are the what are the baits are you using the fuzzy cube or any radical of, of, of these crazy tools to trigger strikes or what, what, what have you learned about the best method to trigger strikes from those that you can see? Absolutely. And staying on top of new baits is really important for a lot of these pressured areas. But um, like I said, I try to keep it simple. I usually, I live scope with a jig actually more than, more than not. Um, it, it's a really good bait for it. Now, sometimes there's a difference, you know, on certain days you'll see um, like a lighter jig. I have a 3.8 ounce right now from Strike King, baby structured jig. Um, it, it's a great live scoping bait when they're biting, you know. Um, anytime it gets close to them, sometimes they'll bite it. But then another thing um, I've learned a lot is going to a heavier jig, maybe a half, a three-quarter. The main thing is you want, is you want to create that strike. You, you want to get it right in front of them. They don't know where it came from. Just boom, there it is. Um, sometimes that, your bigger fish are a little bit more stubborn. It, it's, it's one way or another with a heavy jig. You're either going to catch them or you're not. Um, that, that's another thing I don't like about it. It's not a, uh, it's not like hundred percent, you know, it's not a spinning rod bait, which we're getting ready to get there. Um, so it, it's hard to say it's, it's definitely one of my favorites. This right here, this is one of my jigs that I probably anywhere I've ever done good. I weigh probably 30% to 90% on this thing. Um, I usually find a way somehow to throw it. I either drop down to 12 to 15 to throw it deeper, or I put it on 25 to go flip up in bushes, skip it up underneath docks swim it there's so many different ways that i fish this jig it's a baby structure jig i usually pair it with a menace on the back it's really good um it's not it don't have that much action but this right here is probably one of my favorites you got you got your little nico rig from strike king it's an ocho 
Um, this is one thing that uh, it, it, your bite ratio is super good for me. It's it's definitely one of the things where you got to figure it out. You got to figure out which which weight you want, um, how deep of the fish. It's one thing that you just have to play with um, a lot of times because it does take a lot of patience. And I don't have a whole ton, so it's it's definitely one of them things where you just have to play with it. It, it has a weird fall, you know. It spirals, mm -hmm. um, so it it definitely. I usually have three or four rods on my deck, and I, I've even chased. I know I weighed a fish in. Um, at St. Lawrence, I chased for about five or six minutes, you know, just chasing it across the flat. And, uh, I mean, I would throw everything in the book. I throw this, I'm like, ah, oh, that ain't working. I pick up my jig, throw it out there in front of it. Um, and, and that's another thing that's really important on live scope is reading a fish before you throw at it. You know, sometimes I'll, it, it's like bed fishing, you know, almost like sometimes I'll pull up on a bed fish and I'm not going to pitch at it till I know where that sweet spot is. You know, I might pull up, power pull down to it and just watch it, just watch it for minute two minutes something like that and, and you'll see they'll like circle around the bed and then they'll all of a sudden slow down in that one area you know they'll kind of sit there a little longer than everywhere else and that right there is normally the sweet spot and it's kind of the same with live scope sometimes sometimes a brush pile fish will sit, sit on a certain branch most of the time your highest percentage areas but um that's probably one of my favorites and it catches giants i mean six pounders i mean easy on it sometimes uh really shallow fish love it but this is another one, like I said, we got a drop shot as well. I mean, everybody likes a drop shot. Um, I have a little uh, striking half, half shell on this. That's why I used to use them for smallmouth. Um, even largemouth is really good. But it, it's hard to say on leader. Like here, as you guys can see, I got, I mean, I got a pretty long leader up. But that's for the smallmouth. But for largemouth, it's, 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 a, it's one of them things where you almost have to play with it. I like, I do like a longer one because what you got to see is when that weight hits bottom, that bait usually you would think sits right here. Well, then it'll kind of glide down. It's like anything. You can let it with slack line, let that bait fall to the bottom. And then you can, if you have a heavier weight, let's say half ounce, three quarter, or not three quarter, three eighths, anything else about that, you can kind of pull it tight and it'll just kind of pull that bait off the bottom and let it sit there. You know, don't move your weight. You can kind of finesse it and it just kind of falls back down. Then you kind of pull it up again. It'll kind of slowly rise and then fall again. So there's so many different ways you got to think about it. You know, I have a swimming pool here at my house, and I play with stuff all the time. Um, and, and that's that's another good thing about a drop shot is you really don't have to move it to get a lot of action. So a lot of, you mm -hmm. can see a lot of people hopping it and everything else. I'll throw it out there and just let it sit. Pull it up real slow, let it drop. Pull it up real slow and just kind of let it let it glide around. You know, you have buoyant baits like a Z2 from Strike King. That's a really good one. Um, they make a lot of different colors. It's real buoyant. You can throw it on a, a Ganagatsu circle hook. Um, usually I do a one-aught, not a one-aught, just a size one for my drop shot and a two-aught for my Nico rig. There's so many different ways about that. On um, A band, that's a good question. Do you put a band on it? Do you not put a band on it? My question is, like I said, I keep it simple. If I throw out there and lose my band, I'm not getting another one if I see one. I'm just sticking it around the middle and throwing it back out there, you know. So it's it's one of them things where it's, it's multiple different deals. They have one through the side. It's a band. I forget who makes it. Um, it, it comes, you slide it on and it has a deal where it goes through the side. So it keeps, EMC. there it is right there. Um, yep. that has one as well. And, and you got to think about it when, when a fish eats it, when it's straight through the middle, sometimes that worm will fold over on it. And when you mm -hmm. lean into them, they're going to grab it and they just hold their mouth closed and they'll just open it and be like, well, they come off, you know, but with that side hook, no matter how it folds normally, it's still going to catch the side most of the time. So that, that's a very good way. Um, and in my opinion on that, but, um, those are my, probably my three main baits. Um, you can throw it to Mickey rig every once in a while. That's really good. And for the most part, I just try to keep it simple. 
Um, usually they'll bite one of them baits here and there, depending on what you're fishing for. I heard so many guys were Demiki rigging up at Thousand Islands this past week. Um, it is. I saw uh, a lot of guys were, uh, especially when that current, like I said, I think it changed a little bit on day one. Guys were uh, getting those suspended fish, Demiki, Mopey, doing, uh, you know, doing Gussie's moping mm-hmm. strategy and just laying them out. Um, I did not do that, unfortunately. I could have used that on day one. <laughs> but you've, uh, so, man, so I, I get it. So forward facing, throwing a jig, that's really, that's really great because you don't hear, you really don't, except for Josh Jones, who throws a jig exclu- almost exclusively, I think, for, <laughs> For the Giants, um, you know, I don't hear that mentioned that often as a, as a major tool for using uh, using that kind of sonar. So that's that's pretty unique. Seems to right. me like it's just a confidence deal. You know, it is. Like you have a you have your baits. You know, you can make fish bite. And if it's no different than if you're bed fishing and you see one there, you're going to pick up and throw the bait that you think for that situation is going to get you the bite the quickest. You know it. I'm I'm new to forward facing sonar. I'm only about two years in, and I'm still very much so in that learning phase of uh, forward facing sonar. So, like, you know, just hearing all those things from you know about how you attack those fish, it's 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 very helpful. And you know, but the just the the confidence and keeping things simple, you know, a fish is a fish is a fish. And if you have a lure in your hand that you know that you should be able to make them bite, you know, based on the current scenario, then you know, why not just give it to them? I, yeah, well, that's, that's what you're doing. And, uh, it's a great technique. Now, how, uh, is, how often has shallow played in your, let, let's talk about the EQs this year. We fished them many different types of tournaments. How long, you know, how many have been shallow? How many have been just sonar exclusive? Yeah. Um, I said Ufala and Wheeler were live scope ex- exclusive. They, they, they were straight up live scope. And then uh, actually Toledo Bend was a really good shallow event for me. I was catching them flipping, um, bushes, um, some, uh, I, there's a bunch of different weeds down there that I really don't know the, don't know the name for it, but they look good. And I started fishing and then I started getting bit, you know? So, um, but no, uh, mostly like base of the bushes, base of the willows. Um, I, I, I caught a lot of fish on that till the last day. Um, the water dropped on me three or four inches and I wasn't catching them in, but, 12 inches, you know, so um, it made it a little tougher on that. So then I kind of went back out to the live scoping game, but I would say like, I love the live scope shallow. I, it, it might be different weird, but um, I love live scoping like flats. Um, even in like, I know for smallmouth, just a while ago, I was scoping above on sand spots and mm-hmm. it, some people will frown at this, but I mean, it's usually I'll even scope them up in like three foot of water. Uh, it, it sounds pretty hard sometimes like, man, I can't see three foot of water, but um, if you get it set right, like this is another important thing for a live scope. I always keep mine pretty well the same unless I have to change. So I keep it on 90, 25 pretty well all the time, 90 foot out, 25 foot deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's one of the things when you see something, it all, you, you can kind of put it together because you're not constantly changing it, you know, because if you go 40 feet, a three pounder is going to look like a two pound. And then right. if you go back to 25, you know, it, it's, it's in my comfort zone. When I look at a dock, I'm like, okay, I'll know what I'm looking at here. Um, so, and that's another important thing. And when you're going shallow, some people want to bring up their depth when they're going shallower and see what it does is it pushes all that picture into one and you don't have that much. You're only scoping in three and four foot of water. So if you spread it out, say you're in five foot of water and you keep it on 20, 
it might push it up to the top of the screen, but you got a better picture is what I'm trying to say on, on that side of it. But I know a lot of our lakes are shallower lakes. Um, so I always love live scoping in that. Um, even in like September, they get to chase and bait. You can live scope them good. Um, before spawn, when they're just cruising, you know, it's a super good, it's, it's super good technique, really, if, if you learn it. Um, sometimes it's not only seeing fish. It's, it's kind of a blink. You know, it's that fish when it's that shallow, they'll kind of rotate, you know, they'll turn, they'll come back forth to look at you and all that. You can't really see the dot, but you can see it where that, that the sonar is. It's not a return like the bottom. You know, it kind of just like blinks and kind of flares up, then it gets hard and then it goes back down and then all of a sudden it'll disappear and come back. That's it. most anytime you see that it's life. So when you're that shallow and you're in that confidence area, we got, OK, I know they're here. Um, you can concentrate on throwing those and catch a lot of fish sometimes, like a, a, a lot of fish and, and sometimes big ones when it's the, when they're up shallow. How but, often um, do you change your color palettes? Uh, never. Never. Okay. I, uh, what I, are you running? I, I use sunglasses to, uh, to help me with that. Um, I, I have a couple of different lenses. Um, I have a, a rosemary. Um, I have a violet from uh, Bahama. It's, it, it don't sound like it makes a difference, but um, if you go with a violet lens, it makes everything pop. So like on a rainy day, everything's getting, um, say everything's just getting darker. I got my brightness on the same. I think it's like that. I'll put my violet lens on and it makes it look totally different. You know, every, little things pop that it don't. And you would think it, you know, you're still looking at the same screen, wow. but it does help a lot. You know, that, that's one of them things where I have two. I have um, just a regular uh, blue for just kind of sunny, you know, just blocking out the sun. But anytime it gets cloudy, I'm slapping my violets on like immediately um, for live scoping. Wow, that's fascinating to give you a better feedback there. Man, it, that's interesting stuff. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody talk about that. But that's so critical because, like you said, sometimes it's just an instant. You get a flash, uh, and if you're looking away or you, or you're, or you miss it, like, you're, like you said, you don't have the right glasses on and you, you miss it, you may have missed a big opportunity. Uh, yes, that, that comes from a lot of times staring at that screen. It does. It does. Like little things. Yeah, yes, sir. And this is another little product. Um, Bait Pop came out with it. Um, some people like say, does it wear? It does not. I really do think it does. And like even like forecasting, um, they make a whole different bunch of different colors, but it's a sonar enhancer. So um, it, I usually always spread it if I'm having trouble seeing my bait, if I'm not having confidence. And it, it's also like a, it's a fish, old fish formula. So it's the same thing on scent. Um, if I have some that just kind of like because sometimes on a jig, you'll have it, you'll have it go down, go down, and go down, and turn on it, and they'll run up and hit it, but they won't get it. it it's it's weird. Uh, I, I don't know why they do it. I I, I wish I, this is one thing I have never understand. They I don't know why they do it, but they'll just turn on it and they'll act like they eat it and they'll load up, but they won't have them. You know, mm -hmm. so um, and sometimes it, it causes you can just let them have it a little longer. Another thing about anything else, I mean, you got to think when a fish eats a crawdad, it's not just going to lay still in their mouth. You know, I wouldn't think, you know, they've been trying to get away. So, and usually anytime if one eats a jig and you kind of pull on it a little bit when they're eating it funny, don't do this every time, but when they're eating it a little funny, sometimes they'll get a second grab. You know, when they yeah. kind of feel pull away from them, they'll just kind of grab it a little harder. And sometimes yeah. that's what you got to do to jack them sometimes. But I know it's, it, awesome. it's definitely a product. That's pretty neat. Uh, Greg Hackney gives a seminar at Bash U about that, especially for mm -hmm. smallmouth, um, that he'll actually play a little tug of war with the smallmouth to get him to double down on it. Flipping for smallmouth. Yeah, befo yeah, before he sets the hook uh, because, it, you know, it, it gets them to commit. 
That's it, what I it, needed to do on that Wednesday night or Justin. Yeah. When that <laughs> seven pounder came unbuttoned. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh. Uh, Trey, I got a question for you. You you mentioned a few times that you have three to four rods on the deck. Is that something that you do often? You try and limit yourself to having, you know, three, four, five rods on the deck instead of like twelve? I, I will say if I have three or four rods on the deck, I'm on them. You know, it's it's one of them where if I got three or four on the deck, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've had a good practice, you know, just kind of going out and doing what I love. You know, it's either going to be shallow or it's going to be live school, but most of the time, you know, I'm not – I love offshore, but if I'm fishing offshore, I'm live scoping. You know, it's, there's a difference. Like some people are just good ledge fishermen. Um, I, I'm usually scoping on, on that type of stuff. But usually – and see, this is the worst part. You know, you, you don't want to have as many rods. It's definitely a lot more convenient. But um, when you do have everything in your arsenal, all of a sudden something might snap. You know, you might see one blow up way over here and you don't have the right bait on. But if you have enough rods up there and you keep your few spare baits, let's just say some lakes I always keep a frog on the deck. Some lakes I always keep a flutter spoon. Some days I always keep, you know, there's always certain baits that you want to keep up there just in case that, for instance, something happened. That, that you have something to react with it with. Sure. Sometimes, like I said, it, it might only be one cast throughout the day. But if that one cast gets you bite, it's worth it, you know, and that's how I look at it. So usually I'm running probably probably close to 10 rods on the deck most of the time, eight, um, just on a normal day of fishing because I'll have my Thunder Cricket, I'll have my jig, I'll have a heavier jig, I'll have a different color jig, and then I'll have you know, two, usually two or three spinner rods on the deck and then maybe one bait in case they come up or I see a fish that's not wanting to bite on live scope or I catch it on a spoon, catch it on something, I guess, out of the ordinary. I'll try sometimes if a fish won't bite. Great question. Uh, gotcha. The um, practice, big deal. I got. I want to ask you about this, right? Because you're you're practicing and winning, and you know, excelling greatly. What is you know with the opens uh, specifically? Let's talk about those. You got five days. How how do you develop a practice plan and and execute? Absolutely. You know, I mean. There's so much research that uh, us young anglers have and this this year, you know, just anything in this this future. I mean, we have so much knowledge at our fingertips. I mean, on our phones, anything else about that. And, and when you're going to like a, like I say, a Toledo Bend, I do I can't even see across the thing. I was like, I don't even know what to do. I, I just <laughs> see trees and I can't see the end. And it, it was uh it was definitely one of the things where it was intimidating. And I uh, just started gathering information on stuff online where I just found general areas you know like okay this creek arm's good i've heard a lot about this creek arm let's start there and uh usually you kind of break stay in one big creek on what one creek arm there's like a whole lake here but um you go here and you just kind of break it down you know the first day you'll go out there and find where the fish kind of want to be you know maybe what depth zone what are they doing are they spawning are they post spawn are they pre-spawn um and then once you kind of get a sort of pattern down let's just say you kind of get a few bites in the same area or the same type of spot, then you can kind of take it and go to different parts of the lake and apply it and this and that. Now, sometimes, like I said, there's a whole bunch of different ways to look at this because sometimes you can't take it other places. Sometimes you run across a fluke or sometimes, let's say, during the spawn, um, I know some big lakes, like, you can go to the one side of the lake on the south side and it's 70 degrees, and you go to the other side of the lake where the wind hasn't been blowing and it's 60 you know, and so there's definitely going to be different patterns going on there, you know, post-spawn fish, non-post-spawn fish. Um, there's a lot of different ways you have to look at it. But the main thing I say is take one big creek on that you've heard a lot about. There's been a lot of fish caught, a lot of tournaments won. 
or maybe even if you just look at Google Maps and you like how it looks, there's a lot of underwater cover, a lot of brush, anything else about like that, and just figure out what's going on. You know, just kind of just kind of test them. You know, see what if they're shallow, deep, and then kind of expand it and go elsewhere. Is usually how I usually start my practice. And you you go all five days. Do you practice uh, short? Do you uh, do you take advantage of every minute? I uh, I, daylight's dark. As as many minutes, if I can get on the water 365 minutes, I'm getting on the water 365 (laughs) minutes. You know, Um, it's one of them things where every once in a while I might get a little lazy and not get out the door at daylight, but I'm telling I'm gonna make up for it. You know, Um, so that's that's one thing. I mean, every minute on the water, you could learn possibly idle over. I found spots where I'm like running out of a creek and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna shut down and do something. Like, oh, I forgot to strap my rods down, and I come back to the dash. And I'm just idle over something. I'm like, what is that? And I'll turn around, drop a live scope, and catch like a five-pounder for practice. I've done that one time, and I'm like, no way. And I mark it, come back in the tournament, I caught a 5.15 off of it. Whoa. So, I mean, just like any, there's anything that could happen like that, you know? So you always got to be aware. You always got to use every minute and every second you can um, against these guys. Because, I mean, these guys are you guys are hammers, you know? I mean, they don't let up. I mean, it's, it's one of them things where, I mean, I wish – I could have done a few things different, like at Bugs Island, everything else like that. And, and I can't be mad about certain tournaments. You know, I was on the fish. I just couldn't land them. Um, sometimes it just happens. You know, sometimes you, you don't understand why, but the hope of the Lord's got a better plan. You know, you just kind of trust it. Um, but it's it's definitely, I would say, on that part of thing, um, it, it's real important to do research, um, break down the lake right. Absolutely. Are you um, are you doing any scouting, like, pre, like pre-off limits, looking around? I am. Um, absolutely. And like I said, anytime a gut feeling is really important to me. So if, if I, like I said, Watts bar is our next one. And like I said, no, I don't have, I, I am sitting forth anything else, but that can be one tournament, you know, it's like 50, 50 something points out of 10th, something like that. So one tournament gone, you know, so I, I got to work really hard on these next three um, to finish in the top, because I mean, like I, I would probably, I wouldn't know what to do with myself if, if we did, and uh, I'm not even trying to think about it. You know, we're just going to go fishing. Just five bass a day, five hook sets, and we're good. You know, you just got to think about it like that, one cast at a time. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely one thing that's it, – it is pretty cool. But, no, I'm going – usually pre-practice maybe three or four days. Probably like you got a phone call. Yeah, <laughs> you got a call. Yeah, yeah sorry, somebody called me. But yeah. uh, it was uh, – Usually I go three or four days if I can. St. Lawrence I didn't get to um, because it was so far and they had like a season or something like that. So uh, yeah, that's risk. right. They got the closed season, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to risk anything on that. So I stayed away from that one, but every other one I'm going to try to go to. Well, we got some challenging ones in front of us. Uh, you know, these fall tournaments on these these southern bodies of water, man, they're, uh, they can be challenging. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to test you and everybody else for sure. What are yes. the next three? We got we got uh, Watts Bar, and then we got a Florida in there. What's the other one? Um, we have a uh, we have a uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Okay, Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah. Where where's it at in Florida? Is it Harris Chain? Yes, sir. Gotcha. That Florida tournament actually probably is going to be the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, deep deep into the fall, Florida fish as well. I would I would say I think that's one thing. I've, it's kind of uh, intimidating. I've never been to Florida. And uh, it's one of the things, like, for me, like, when you get out there and it's a flat of grass for as far as you can see, it's kind of intimidating. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's kind of, kind of like, wow, what are we going to look for here? And uh, sometimes you just got to put the trombone down and put it on high and go. But 
like I said, I mean, mapping is a really important thing too. I mean, just anything, if I go across a flight like that, but the main thing is sometimes not everything shows on maps. Sometimes there's, there's other ways of looking at like, like I said, um, like Google earth, anything about like that. Um, I know I've, I've, I've found many of spots where don't really show it on a map. It might just be a little depression on a flight or something like in those areas like that. And you'll, and you'll catch them, you know, you'll find them schooled up in there, but it's def that's definitely going to be a hard tournament, I think, but I'm going to go down there before pre-practice and maybe just try to hurry up and get a gut feeling about it. But um, that, that one's, that one's kind of scary, you know, slug fest are kind of scary for me. Um, I, I love the tougher tournaments and, and I'll say that and I won't, uh, sometimes I won't do any good, but um, around here, that's just how we've always deal. If, if you get five bites, you most of the time cut a check on some, on most of these lakes around here, you know, right. So, it's definitely – I definitely sometimes have a different mindset than some people. Like, I'll be catching 15 pounds a day, and I'll be as tickled pink, you know. The amount of day is, is pretty large around here. So, it's definitely um, it's definitely cool. I think Watts Bar is going to be a tough one from what I hear. You know, I looked at a, a super tournament BFL that was there, and I was like, whoa. I was like, that's a two-day total or a one-day total um, <laughs> when it showed it. So, um, it's definitely going to be interesting, you know. But hopefully we can just stay in these next two and the third one. Well, it's what, yeah, Watts, they say, uh, you know, they'll, it'll be tough to get five, uh, each day there. So that'll be a challenge and a, a great equalizer, you know, and, you know, for that, for that trail. But, uh, boy, you're off to a blistering pace. And, I, you know, I expect you, you know, to continue. I mean, we've seen your, your track record already. Well, I've got a son. He's 13 and he's starting to get interested in fishing. I know a lot of kids are probably watching that, you know, what, what do you recommend? What, what, uh, your path was going through the, you did a little bit of high school, you did a little bit of this and that. What do you think the best way to go for a young man is to, uh, to take his fishing to the next level? I'd say uh, the main thing about a, a young person is always keep it fun. That that's, that's number one. I think, um, as long as you can let somebody enjoy it. So that, and that could be anywhere, anywhere they want to be. Like I, I always started, started at juniors. And that was great. You know, anytime you start at junior or high school, you kind of learn the the ropes, you know, you kind of learn on tournaments, like what to do, decision-making, all of it, you know, the, the prep the night before, the practice, uh, everything about that is really important um, for, for a young angler to learn anything else like that. And I, I can't say much. Like I said, I'm learning every day on tournaments. I even come in late one tournament. I, we just go, I didn't want to say it, but I, I did, you know, I made a bad decision and uh, it cost me two pounds. Um, so but it, it was it was all right. There's just many things that uh, it would be nice to learn before it happened. You know, it's like anything. It's like a, like a, your grandpa telling you, like, son, you better watch out. You know, I've been there, done that. And it's, it's one of them things where anytime you can narrow your things from learning the hard way is, is better. So anytime you can fish the, the junior and high school and just kind of feel it out from there. You know, if, if you feel like you want to step up, maybe fish co-angler for your BFL a year or something like that just kind of getting the hang of it getting the ropes and then if you feel like you're ready you have a boat jump in the one or two of the bfls and just kind of just gradually take it you know um or um, or you can just say go with it and fish a few high school and run to the bfls and opens and everything else like that awesome advice uh here you are you're at the cusp of uh qualifying for really uh, what many consider to be the premium um tournament trail in fishing well Tell me about that. What what would making the elites mean to you? I don't even know if I could find the words, you know. I, I don't know if 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 I got the letter or however it works. I don't even know how it works, but if I saw it, I'd be I'd probably just like I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably just 
I just I thank everybody, thank the Lord, everything. You know, it's one of the things where it's that's all I've dreamed of. You know, it's one of the things where every time I wake up, it's like, how can I make it happen? You know, it's it's one of the things where, and, and I know them guys. Maybe I get there, and, and maybe you still, you know, it's I, I I have a crazy amount of learning, even if I don't. But just to be able to say, hey. The, the, I gotta, you know, it's, I don't even know how to say it. I would be like stoked. I'd be shaking probably if I did. I'd be so nervous. But um, just being able to fish against all them guys that you see 24 7 on every commercial and bass fishing, every <laughs> move, I mean, everything, you know, just being able to say, I'm, I'm you know, you're there, you know, it's, it's, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be real to me, you know, just being able to walk up on stage right after Brandon Polinick or something like that. It's, it, it's pretty crazy, honestly. Well, it's uh, it would be amazing, uh, and you'd be one of the youngest. I know, uh, yeah, the Zell Roland. You even know Zell Roland. You might probably don't even know Zell Roland's name, but he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he was he he's one big. You know, he's a big time. You know, serious uh, top level angler for a lot of years. But he Maybe was sixteen. Pop R fisherman, yeah, ever, yeah, and he's uh. He started, I think, at 16. He had uh, he was fishing the Bassmaster tournaments at 16 years old, and uh, and you know started very very young. And a lot of the guys like that say that you know they've been fortunate never to have a job. Do you have a job? Do you do do you work? Uh, do you go to school, or <laughs> is it just fishing all the time? Uh, and I tell you what, like I said, there's multiple ways you can take it. I was homeschooled. Um, so like I said, that, that definitely helps. It definitely does on time of the water. Um, there's, there's multiple, you gotta be, you gotta be disappointed to do it, you know? And sometimes I wasn't, you know, sometimes I was like, I'm just gonna go fishing. Let's do work later, you know? And sometimes it gets away from you. It's, it, I don't recommend it if you don't have to, you know, if, if you want to do it, do it. Um, but it's, it's one of them things, I don't know. I would say for me, like I said, I was homeschooled, so I had plenty of time to do it. But uh, it's it's hard to say, really, on what somebody should. Yeah. Well, uh, are you going to continue to go to school? Are you going to? Do you have college aspirations, or uh, what? What's your What's your future look like? We'll have to. Oh, I think he's frozen. <laughs> I think he's frozen. Let's hope that's he not, not what his he did. Like. I, I think that means the answer is no. I'm not going to college. I'm fishing <laughs> right. all the time, man. Right. Come on, Pete. <laughs> I already got a hundred hundred G's in my pocket <laughs> <for> fishing. <laughs> what do you think, man? <laughs> I'm not doing that craziness. Uh, well, that's that's pretty funny. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if we can get him back. We'll, we'll see, see if we, we got a uh, phone call or maybe a power outage. But yep. we'll uh, we'll get him back. When we can, yeah, it's it's just really it's impressive. But I, I, you know, my I guess my intuition was correct. You know, this is probably uh, a lot of work is being done with uh, with advanced sonar technology. Right. You know, to right. achieve that greatness, so many so many kids. Well, but believe me, there's so many kids that are trying to do what he's doing and and not doing it nearly as successfully as he is. Right. When right. did you start fishing like competitively? I didn't discover it until I was a sophomore in uh college. Oh, wow. Honestly. Same. Yeah, it was um I was always doing other kinds of sports and stuff and um I fished all the time, but I was actually in a classroom with uh 
with a guy that bass fished and who's in a bass club. And I, I'm like, wow, there's clubs for this stuff. This is yeah. awesome. Sign me up. And next thing you know, I was fishing club tournaments and, and I thought, oh man, this is the greatest thing in the world. And I've loved it. I've loved mm -hmm. it ever since that day, but I wished I would have been introduced to it earlier. Absolutely. You know, in high school or younger. So I actually, funny story. I, the first bass tournament I ever fished, I fished out of an eight foot John boat and my live well was a soft mesh Coors Light cooler. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, like back in the day, there was they would sell like 36 packs of beer and, out of a soft mesh bag. Yeah. And so I fished this tournament and I just kept pouring more water in this cooler as it would slowly leak out. <laughs> and I carried my fish up to the scales in, a, cool? in a Coors Light cooler mesh bag. <laughs> and that was the first club tournament that I ever fished and. <laughs> After I wonder that moment, if that I would hoping. pass a live bill check now. No, <laughs> probably not. I, I, probably I, don't, not. I, mean, I, I don't think I was, so. I was fishing out of a boat that leaked and it didn't have live wells. So I said, well, it's uh -huh. leaking anyway. Four more in. So yep. Looks like we might have got Trey back. Yep. Nope. Give him a minute to get set up. That's what, that's what we bets on what happened. Was it a was it a phone call? <laughs> power outage? Did his phone die? <laughs> All right. Uh, looks like we got him back. Um, Trey. <laughs> Sorry, on my phone overheated. I had to go stick in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's funny. We were betting on what it was, and we that one. one was not one of the things that now we he's got were... a phone call. Or, or, or... <laughs> got everything going crazy. Uh, no, so it's like, like I said, back to that question. I do not have a job um, on that side of things, but I, I have been blessed on everything else, like on sponsorship and, and being able to, to work with it and travel. Um, and ho hopefully, like I said, we're trying on social media. I'm not the best on it, um, but we're going to try to try to proceed that. You know, that, that's kind of the dream. I'm on that um, on that side of things. Anyway, be able to just just try to fish, you know, for right now. I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have I don't have any of the, the other things like oh, kids or anything else like that. So I'm going to try it when I'm young. Well, uh, you're well spoken. I think you're, you know, a sponsor's dream. Uh, you keep catching them and, you know, you have you have the gift of being able to articulate your thoughts and ideas really, really well, which is which is fantastic. And and uh, I want to congratulate you for that and congratulate you on, man, what an amazing what an amazing season. Uh, I don't appreciate you kicking my teeth in. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, it's 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 great to see. And uh, and I look forward. Hopefully we'll bump into each other at Watts Bar. I'll see you there. Uh, which, you know, I won't be at the rest, but I'll be there and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I can meet you face to face. But it's uh, it, it's a treat to watch. I appreciate you coming and hanging out with us and and enlightening us, uh, you know, on what you're doing. You can I can just hear it in, in the way that you're describing your fishing, that uh, you're doing some things that are pretty unique, pretty advanced. And uh, and there's a lot to learn there. So so congratulations on that. Best of luck. And uh Man, oh man, keep it going! I it would be awesome to see you to see you at the elites. Yes, sir, it would. Thank you, sir, and th thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, uh, you bet, right. you bet. Congratulations again, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. Trey McKinney, everybody. Thanks, Trey. Thanks, Thank man. You, Appreciate it, man. What it's uh, what what a what an amazing start at such a such a young age, and and you could just see it like the, you know, he's got the gift of the love of the sport, the intensity. Oh, yeah of it got to have that right but everybody's got that but he's been able to direct it into uh you know using the technology and 
and getting some great mentorship, mm-hmm. which is is certainly a huge deal. And uh, man, crazy. Yeah, eighteen cool. years old. Very cool stuff. It's uh, it's it's awesome that the direction that fishing is going is giving guys opportunities to really make a career in fishing at a younger and younger and younger age. You know, because like fishing for a long time was uh, it was an outlier in a lot of sports like you know like you said generally for the most part and still you see a lot of guys in their 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 mid-30s to early 40s is when they kind of burst onto the scene but that direction is trending younger and you know the fishing industry is always behind on on things and 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 kind of you know like if you look at a sport like say baseball or basketball or even football i mean in baseball and basketball guys get drafted at 18 years old all the time, you know? So like, it's cool that fishing is starting to catch up to that kind of, you know, national level sporting events to where, because there's youth clubs, because there's high school clubs, because there's college fishing. Now we're seeing a generation of anglers that get to that point, And by 21, 22 years old, they're groomed, they're ready to go. They're, they're, they're energized. And that's, you know, it's uh, it's good for I think it's good for the industry as a whole to see that that trend. And I, I think you the the technology is yeah, absolutely is a major factor in allowing them to 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 make that learning curve quicker. Yep. And to get competitive earlier and things, earlier than they've like ever the, been able to do. Things before. like the Bash University, you know, mm-hmm. exactly exactly what we do. Providing, you know, resources for information is huge and like. You know, we worked with Dakota Ebear at at ICAST, Pete. He was a Bass, or is, he still is, a Bass University subscriber, but just devoted himself to the Bash University when he initially moved from Louisiana to Texas. Mm-hmm. He just dove in and consumed himself with it. And, you know, giving, you know, giving his outcome, it, it, it worked. And uh, it's cool that the guys are able to, to do that and use platforms like ours to to continue to grow and in pair with technology and everything else. Yep. It's really cool. Although so many guys at the top level are using the bash university program and, uh, and we love that. That's why we built it is to, to help, help the learning curve, even for the guys that are at the top level. That's great that they're using it. Yep. Uh, but really we built it for the, the guy to become everybody to be able to catch more and bigger fish consistently gain confidence. Uh, but, Guys at the top level are using it, so you know it's offering something for you. What's happening at Bash University, Rich? What's hey, there's there's a lot going on. Um, we uh, we're releasing awesome new content uh, every week. We just like we we just got done shooting um, at iCast. Um, we had an we had a thank you for all the anglers that we work yeah. with at iCast. Um, in addition to the the not only the the elite and the mlf guys but we worked with a lot of the kayak anglers down there as well and uh we we we're going to be delivering some really awesome mm-hmm. informational content that's coming out real yep. soon yeah so we got this week we have uh bob downey uh drop shot strategies for all types of different cover um it's a really good seminar we shot uh up in uh minnesota with bob um he's a smallmouth guy finesse fishing guy really really uh really really strong seminar from him and then our classroom seminar this week is going to be uh, Ryan Salzman, how to be a proficient angler. Um, and he breaks down the whole process of the mental side of things to the business side of things to everything you need to know if you aspire 
to be a professional angler. And a um, couple other cool things going on right now in the fishing industry are that the MLF tournament is going on right now up on the Mississippi River, Pete. That's the Tackle Warehouse Invitational Series. Um, it's the qualifying trail for Major League Fishing BPT. And we got three Bash you guys uh, in the – we have three Bash you subscribers uh, in the top 15 right now. We have Nick Hatfield sitting in second place. He's a, he's he's been with us many times before. He's been on our live show. He's just one of our guys. Awesome. We got Gray Buck sitting in fifth in that event. Um, Gray and Nick are both right on that cusp line of qualifying for the BPT. They both need to have good events. I believe top 30s for both those guys will have them in the BPT next year. And then Drew Gill is a longtime Bash U subscriber as well. He's a he was a college kid signed up with us several years ago. He's sitting in 13th on the uh, the way live tracker right now. And if he has a really strong finish and some other things shake out as well, he could see himself in the BPT next year as well. So good luck to those guys. Keep catching them. We want to see you on the big stage next year. Shout out to Gray Buck. Uh, Got to watch the, the speaking of technology, the Aquaview uh, seminar. Greg did we we uh we filmed with him and he showed me how he used showed all of us how he uses aquaview cameras to show you fish that you just can't see otherwise what happens a lot of times when you get in these current situations these big smallies tucked so tight to the cover that they can't they the separation can't be found as easily with uh, your standard technology or even forward facing they can really hide, but guess what? The Aquaview camera pulls them out, and it's so cool to see. And the the big fish that I caught on day two of the Thousand Islands tournament, they were found with that camera because you can. It was it enabled me to cover flats and get go past those little boulder outcroppings, and you could just see those big ones pulled out you could see where they were how they were positioned i love that system check out the aqua view guys I, we if you're a subscriber to bash you we have an amazing deal what is it 30 percent off aqua view cameras over there you gotta have it it's it's really uh an asset to supplement what you're doing with uh you know with my mega live and my 360 it it really helped me in this tournament so uh shout out to aqua view for that and it's a lot of fun my son loves watching it. Like he, uh, he, him and his boys can't stop looking at it when I drop it over the side of the boat. So, anyway, it's fascinating. It is. It's really fascinating, and it works, and it, and it can help you catch fish, get in the winter circle, the whole nine yards. Guys, are we going to take a quick break? Quick break. Yeah, we're going to come back, hit some trivia, Joss. Last chance to like and share for a chance to win some waterwood. So head over and hit that like and share button. You want to get yourself. The Waterwood Bait, like and share it over on social feeds. These are amazing uh, hand-built crankbaits uh, with amazing different actions. No matter the depth, whether you're doing with a square bill, this is a mid-range deep diving crankbait. They're made of marupa wood, which is a unique wood that's dense, very marupa castable. Pedra. Marupa pedra. I can never remember the second part part of that. but <laughs> Everyone uh, just likes the word marupa. Yeah. <laughs> Go check it out. But we're going to be giving away. Like and share the feed, guys. We're going to, and and I uh, hope you're paying attention. We'll be right back with our uh, grand pot grand prize question giveaway after this. What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in 
Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the South Rainforest of Brazil. They're made of Marupa Pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil. And I mean, as you can see right here, it's a fish catching bait. It's got the front hook. That means they wanted it. This bait's, uh, it, it's running really true. It throws really well. Guys, check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com. underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod. 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Are you going to make them say the brand names? Hey, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to get more specific on that stuff? Let's see. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're just uh, we're just chatting around the room and listening uh, to Trey's dialogue about his visual uh, assessment of what's going on in that forward-facing sonar screen. You can just hear the hours of viewing and his ability to interpret the subtle details uh, is 
certainly separating him from a lot of the guys out there. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. But um, let's get, let's get into it. Do we have, what, what, what else we got to talk about, Jocelyn? I don't, I don't know what else we got to talk about, but I know we got a trivia question. Got a couple things. To don't forget. Away. We, yeah, we're going to give away some Waterwood baits right now with a like and share winner. But well, before we do that, we have a, a question, grand prize question, Rich, I'm going to put the ball in your court. Yep. So, uh, when we were talking with Trey, uh, we were talking about his forward facing sonar skills um, and what his uh, top three choices of baits were uh, to throw um, for forward facing sonar fish. Um, we need to know what the top three baits were, and I need to see them in order that he talked about them. Oh, in order. Yep, in order. No need what? brand names. Just give me the techniques. Give me the techniques. And uh, St. Cress. That oh man, that was really quick. That was a jig, a Nico rig, and a drop shot. And uh, the um, one of the you know things that Trey really, really drove home in in our piece with him there is the 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 the, the keeping things simple philosophy. And he has three different baits there that do three completely different things. And with those three tools, he can get on the bottom. He can get on the bottom with a different pull point, and he can present a bait just off the bottom and he believes with those three tools that he can trigger those forward facing sonar fish into bite. I was interested to hear him talk about the jig as primary tool for it. And that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty unique. We've not heard that. And it's more of a finesse jig. Right. You know that that he's uh that he's going after it with him. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh great learning experience uh and well a kid that's on the fast track we're going to see going to be tested Oh man, everybody's going to be tested, especially when we get down to Tennessee at Watts Bar. I know that the bike can be incredibly tough down there. We're all keep saying it. Uh, I could see some of the guys, uh, man, coming in with zeros. Um, it's it's going to be one of those kind of tournaments. And while I was up at the uh, at the open, I I could feel the pressure. I could feel the pressure from all the elite guys. They were starting to, you know, talk. You could hear the murmurs like, oh, man, I can't catch four pounders. Guys that were at the top of the leaderboard are really starting to sweat it. Mm -hmm. This, yep. this, You could feel it. You Tightening could, up. You could feel the tension. Tightening up. It's. Uh, we see some guys drop out um, of, the, right? of the top ten or the top nine yeah. yep. uh, that had been in there all year. We Definitely saw, did. We seeing a few new faces in there. Yeah, I, so I, I'll be honest, going into this, I thought that there was only two events left. But the fact that there's three, yeah, there's still a lot of things that can get shaken up, man. Yep. Yep. I mean, six out of nine events are down. and you Dude, know. the guys are not missing. Like, the guys at the top are just keep pounding it. Right. Oh, there's a few that have had stumbles. Right. Um, but it's just unbelievable. Like Matt Henry, for instance, you know, even though he didn't have a great Thousand Islands tournament, has never fished for smallmouth that way, and yep. here it gets bit by a spider, a brown recluse spider. Did he really? That's what I. That's that's, that's what like the, one of my biggest fears. Uh, it, it happened it to sleep. him. Oh my god! And he's yep. alive. I, I, did you? Do you I have saw, the details? I saw the social. You post, saw the social post, and his arm was swollen like crazy, and he he couldn't apparently couldn't lift his yeah. arm. Oh my god! A week before the tournament. Yep, I'm looking at it here. Those spiders are scary. His arm, his arm was swollen like that for two weeks. <gasps> wow. Oh, my gosh. And he couldn't use his right arm. 
had inflammation in his shoulder, uh, got into his chest. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh. I'm out. Dude. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. well, Where was well, this? Well done, Matt. I mean, he lives in Georgia, so I'm out. it was a couple weeks before the tournament. Probably a yep. Georgia strain spider. Yep. Not a New York strain spider. New York actually has the biggest mosquitoes. So were, were they out, the mosquitoes? No. No, they weren't that bad. When I was there last year, like, there was New York mosquitoes as big as this. Yeah, cap. they do get nasty, don't they? Ew. Dinosaurs. Well. I do have a like and share winner. Our like and share winner is Sean Seabolt. Congratulations, Sean. Thanks for liking and sharing and watching. Uh, JT Tompkins now is leading the points. Kenta Kimura is is right there with him. He's actually going to give another guy a spot down. That makes 10 will get into the elites because Kenta's already on the elites. Yeah, okay. So if Kenta stays in the top nine, that's going to give another open DQ guy a shot. They'll go down to 10th place. It looks like they're going to. That's amazing that he's fishing both trails and 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 just crushing in the opens. John- the amount of money that Kenta Kimura makes in the opens is sick. Like, he makes more on the opens than he does in the elites. Really? Yes. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly showed here in the points. John Garrett was last week's points leader, is now dropped to third. He kind of had a out-of-the-money finish. Not a bad finish, just a little bit out-of-the-money. Trey, who we just spoke to, is in fourth. Robert Gee, Keith Tuma, Matt Henry's in seventh. He dropped a little bit, but is still hanging strong in the top nine. Of course, he only needs to be top ten. Uh, we got Jamie Bruce, Joey Nania, and Brett Cannon. Uh, I want to look at some of these guys that um, – uh, what's that? The guy's just on the cusp. There, there are there are some right on the cusp. One's Ben Milliken. He had kind of a he really did himself a favor at Thousand Islands because he had a crummy day one, and he stepped it up on day two. He was he was facing really losing a lot of points, and he got him yeah. back uh, and keeping himself right there in the hunt. He's in fourteenth right now. We're gonna be headed to a couple places. Where they're gonna be headed to a couple places in Watts Bar and Lake of the Ozarks, where the forward facing should play. Mm, yep. Uh, we've got Wesley Gore, Sam George. Here's some names that Bobby Lane is in 21st. He's got 913 points. He's roughly 60 points out of the cut, which is, man, that's very, very doable. And Bobby's fishing strong. He had a just a steady Thousand Islands tournament. Like I think he had 18 pounds a day, just steady. Here's Trevor McKinney. And the last event of the right year there is too. in Bobby yeah. Lane's backyard. Right. Right. So if Bobby can just survive, you know, Bobby yeah. can just survive and crawl up the leaderboard just yep. a little bit. And, you know, you, you know, he's got time on Lake of the Ozarks because of all of his years on the elites and the high level trails. He's been there. He's definitely been to Watts Bar before. You know, he's just got to climb his way back up a little bit and he could definitely make some noise. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's there, there's still some guys in this in this mix that can that can get in the now. What are the, the rules dance. like? Who with the points who can move on? Like top, so the 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 elite what? series will take nine angles nine. Okay. from mm-hmm. from the open ZQ. And for example, say if 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 uh, Kenta Kimura finishes in second place, that's going to give the tenth place angler the in to the elite series because Kenta's already in. Gotcha. So, that's pretty cool. Is that but is that what they're gonna do? They might not do that. 
I think that's what they do. I don't know. Not in the past. Is that right? Yeah, they error mm. to the elites. They let the next elite guy requalify. Mm. Is, okay. is what they right. is what they've done. They error they error that way. Ooh. Tricky, tricky. So so they, they so basically Kenda just steals a spot. Uh, but I don't know. Mm. I don't I don't know how the rules are laid out. Hmm. But there's but like I said, there what's gonna here's what's gonna happen now. Mental toughness comes into play. You're out practicing, you're working hard to find patterns, and you can't you start spinning out. Your next practice day becomes more challenging and difficult. You spin out even more. Uh, that can that will happen to some of the guys in the in the top ten right now. That definitely will happen. It's actually you know guys that are sitting down in that eleventh through twentieth place are in a little bit more mentally comfortable of a spot because they're chasing they're hunting um and but the guys in the top are trying not to lose jt tompkins i don't know what's going on with that with that kid he just obviously won the chess peak last year and he just catching them everywhere this year uh it's fun to watch it is it's going to be exciting bass if you're listening i wish you would give us more live coverage of the opens yes we love that for sure what do you got josh i have a question from with Trey was saying with his sunglasses, because St. Chris brought up that as well, that the violet trick with his sunglasses was pretty sick. How does that work? Like, do you use your sunglasses as a way to pick? I, I heard it for the first time oh. today, Josh. As a matter of fact, I'm going through the Hobie lenses now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to I'm going to find ones that help pop because he keeps his color palette the same uh, on his forward facing sonar, but depending on the light intensity. He changes his lens, which helps him interpret the readings better. Yeah. Um, that's I've not heard anybody say that before. Man. I haven't I haven't heard it about looking at your screens, but you know, it's definitely a thing for reading water. It definitely makes it water is huge, yeah. right? You know, like going the, from blue to green to gold. The site master plus the site master plus in that shallow water was helping me see those fish on Thousand Islands. It's a yep. huge deal. It's 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 the lens for for the sh- for sight fishing through the water. Yeah. But re- reading that screen, I don't know. I'm gonna have to play with a few different hues. Violet. Violet is what he said. Violet. Hmm. Gonna have to get a pair of those. Hobie. Let's see if you have. We're looking up your violets right now. <laughs> the um. So much going on. Look for Bash University uh, content to continue to. To drop, we have a kayak release coming up this week, Rich. Oh, that's right. On Friday, yeah, we have uh, Justin Largen uh, coming out to Bash University TV kayak, and that's going to be a fun seminar. Really good one, uh, breaking down tidal water grass out of a kayak, which uh, which I'm I'm going to really dive in on that one because you know it. We break down grass a lot, right, out of a bass boat. But to be able to do that out of a kayak where you can only cover maybe 25% of the water that we yeah. can, there has to be a different approach. And like Trey McKinney said, if you can take one little thing and learn from that and, and apply it to your fishing, it benefits you. So I'm I'm definitely diving in on these kayak seminars and, and taking anything I can get from uh from that content because you know these guys got to figure out workarounds and they got to they got to come up with new strategies because of how they're fishing and really if you can apply some of that to the bass boat world man you could be efficient yep absolutely check it out all good stuff uh we're having a blow up 
Blow up Bonanza. Blow up Bonanza. <laughs> Blow up Bonanza. My crack marketing team put together a promotion while I was at Thousand Islands. So I'm just getting used to the Blow up Bonanza. <laughs> and uh, th that's happening right now. Get subscribed annually. It's a, it's your best deal. And we have so many great benefits for all you subscribers. Yeah. Those those who you know, those who know, know. Those who don't, check it out. Go over to the on the website to member benefits. We have amazing opportunities from uh, cash and rods to purchasing Aquaview to Hobie sunglasses and many, many more right over there uh, on epoch our member batteries. benefits and our epoch. Oh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to the epoch battery group. Uh, oh my gosh. Did I use that in that current up a thousand islands? You know, the current up there is yeah. yep. and being able to cover water efficiently fast and just never, ever, worried about running out of power it that's it's crazy it's crazy i can just point my directional on hit constant on and it'll run me right up a gradient for miles uh never been able to do that before since i put the epochs in the boat it's just phenomenal and we have a great discount program for them uh for all you members as well but love that battery just kicking it but um, other than that, we're going to be back next week with another episode of Bash University Live. Uh, we have an environmental show that's going to be coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about stuff like the lead ban. We're going to be talking about uh, aquatic vegetation and a lot of other stuff um, as well. Shout out to the ASA. We saw a lot of the ASA members down at ICAST this week. A lot of great stuff coming. Appreciate you guys watching. We'll be back next week with another episode of Bash University Live. Have a great day, everybody.